Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to another episode of Bucko Booth. My name is Benson Fector, and I'll be the host of your show today. It's a uh, it's a fantastic Saturday. Um, we are a Pittsburgh, you know, podcast, uh, Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. Uh, therefore, my allegiance tends to fall towards the University of Pittsburgh. So good luck to them as they take on Clemson in the ACC championship game tonight. Just as a note, in case you start hearing me coughing or something, I am a little bit under the weather, but we will try to get through uh, everything just fine here on the show today. Uh, unfortunately, we did not uh, put out a mailbag for you guys today. Uh, so sorry for no mailbag this week. So it's more time to talk about the Pirates, right, and what's going to be transpiring uh, in the coming weeks and coming months as we quickly head towards 2019, as today is the first day of December. So, yeah, let, let's talk a little bit about um, – here we go. Of the players left unprotected from the Rule 5 draft by the Pittsburgh Pirates, a left-handed pitcher seems like the most likely to be lost. Part of the yearly Major League Baseball winter meetings is the Rule 5 draft. The Rule 5 draft is designated to give players that have been stuck in the minor leagues their entire career a shot at reaching the MLB level. Any player that has spent the past four years in the minor leagues and is not on a 40-man roster is eligible for the Rule 5 draft. Last week, the Pittsburgh Pirates protected four players from this year's Rule 5 draft, and we talked about that in extent a couple weeks ago. However, one player that was left unprotected was left-handed pitcher Brandon Waddell. And Waddell being scooped up in the Rule 5 draft seems like a possibility. The Rule 5 draft always takes place on the final day of MLB's winter meetings. This year will be at 9 a.m. Eastern on Thursday, December 14th. The 24-year-old Waddell was a fifth-round pick in the 2015 June draft by the Pittsburgh Pirates. The former College World Series star spent the 2018 season with the AA Altoona Curve and AAA Indianapolis Indians. With Altoona, Waddell posted a 2.68 ERA, 3.98 FIP, 8.9% walk rate, and a 20.1% strikeout rate. These results came in nine games, eight of them being starts, and 59 and two-thirds innings pitched for the curve. This success led to Waddell earning a promotion to the AAA level. As a member of the Indianapolis Indians, Waddell pitched in 19 games while making 15 starts. In these 19 games, he logged 81 and two-thirds innings and posted a 4.19 ERA, 3.74 FIPS, a 9.9% walk rate, and a 16.9% strikeout rate. While Waddell's numbers took a bit of a dip after his promotion, they remained strong. He also was better after struggling in his first three AAA outings posting a 3.53 ERA in 71 and a third innings pitched in his last 16 appearances, 12 of them being starts for Indy. Even though Waddell has never pitched in the major leagues, there is reason for other clubs to find him intriguing. Left-handed pitching is always at a premium, and Waddell is coming off a strong season in the minors. Combine this with his ability to work as a reliever or a starter, and he is a player worth monitoring in the Rule 5 draft. And the key word there is he's worth monitoring, right? The Pirates were obviously not confident enough in him to place him on the 40-man roster when the deadline came due. Rather, they placed Mitch Keller, Cole Tucker, JT Brubaker, and Jason Martin. And Brennan Waddell was one of the five that I thought maybe should have been protected. <clears throat> he was not protected. And 
you know, I'm hoping he slips through the cracks because I believe he has huge potential. Uh, I'm just hoping that the other teams don't see that his potential is ready to perform in the major leagues this season. And I believe that's why the Pirates did not protect him uh, by adding him to the 40-man roster. Uh, he struggled in AAA. Not, not necessarily struggled, but he didn't have a fantastic AAA, you know, numbers, which would tend to think that, hey, if you have good AAA numbers, you're going to have good major league numbers. And Waddell had, you know, average AAA numbers. Fantastic AA. I believe that, um, you know, if he does get drafted, hopefully uh, they have to send him back to us. That would be the <clears throat> the uh, ultimate goal. But the, really the thing is with Brandon Waddell is, you know, it would not be devastating if we do lose him. I'd like to have him back. I'd like to have him in that AAA rotation as insurance. Like So the AAA rotation, obviously, it's going to be most likely headlined by um, – What's his name? Mitch Keller, JT Brubaker, Alex McRae is probably going to be in it. And if we still have Brandon Waddell, then Waddell will be in it as well. Um, yeah, so th- that's what it's looking like. And where the Pirates had to make a decision. Because Mitch Keller was a no-brainer to add to the 40-man roster. He would have been drafted probably first overall in the Rule 5 draft. Um, <coughs> and then you have a guy like Cole Tucker who just had an all-AFL uh, fall league performance as the uh, – the best shortstop in the Arizona Fall League. Um, so, yeah, you had to protect him. And then it, it came down, you know, you had um, – you, you, yeah, so going into the whole situation, we had three roster spots uh, and five potential guys to protect. Here's what we did. Obviously, we protected Keller. We protected um, <coughs> Tucker, JT Brubaker, and Jason Martin. Now you might think, hey, but that's 41. How were they able to do that? Well, they sent off uh, Tanner Anderson to Oakland, and the return for that actually was just announced some really a nobody. But anyway, so yeah, uh, we shipped off Tanner Anderson, then added Martin, Brubaker, Keller, and Tucker to the roster, leaving Waddell out to dry. And really, there was very little area where we could have added, you know, Brandon Waddell to that 40-man roster. We would have some potential DFA candidates. Um, you know, we could have DFA'd Alex McRae, but he was DFA'd when we signed Lonnie Chisenhall. We could have DFA'd maybe Jesus Lorenzo, but they're comparable pitchers and just keep Lorenzo on the 40, right? <clears throat> so it, it was an interesting decision to make, and uh, it's definitely the only pirate name worth monitoring on December 14th as we are now, what's that, 13 days until that Rule 5 draft. And the winter meetings will be uh, – next coming week. So the hot stove is definitely starting to heat up a little bit. Um, and I, I just thought that this was an important topic to cover, to discuss, you know, the future, because the Pittsburgh Pirates are an organization that has to have their eyes toward the future. And it's obviously nice when we can have left-handed pitching depth, because really the only left-handed starter that we have currently in the system, you know, that could be a left-handed starter is Stephen Brault. Uh, followed by him is Brandon Waddell, but he is susceptible to that Rule 5 draft. Um, and we've seen Stephen Brault. We know what he is capable of. He just needs to figure out his walks, pretty much. Uh, otherwise, I would um, – he, here's the ultimate hope regarding Brandon Waddell. He slips to the cracks. Uh, people don't see his potential or don't think he's ready to perform at the major leagues quite yet. He comes back, fantastic here in AAA, gets ready for 2020. At that point, that's what we have to focus on with Brandon Waddell. Um, and that would be the ultimate goal. 
and then come 2020, he's ready. He's either added to the 40-man, or he, if he's out of the 40-man, he would have a shot at the opening day roster. Uh, but at this point, he obviously doesn't. And the thing is, if the Rule 5 draft, just for anybody that doesn't know, the Pirates currently do have a Rule 5 pick, um, you know, in the organization, and that's Nick Birdie. And pretty much the rule with him is, is I believe he's going to have to be on the, like, real roster for 60 days, at least for 60 full days to start 2019 in order for us to keep him, or I believe we have to send him back to the Twins. <clears throat> so what could happen, theoretically, is, you know, let's say some bum team like the Cardinals drafts Brandon Waddell. <clears throat> and, you know, Brandon Waddell goes down and he performs in spring training, and they don't like him, so they send him back. And that's pretty much how it works. Uh, the player gets sent back to their – you know, original team, uh, and then the original team gets to decide what to do with them. But hopefully, you know, Brandon Waddell stays with Pittsburgh Pirates because that is ultimately what we want um, as Pirates fans. And uh, we'll keep you updated on that situation. Obviously, uh, being December 1st, we will not find out uh, if Brandon Waddell is still in the organization for a couple podcasts here. Yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about that on uh, December 15th in our post-winter meetings podcast. But pretty much, as you guys get ready for the winter meetings, uh, start looking at the schedules, you know what's coming up. Keep your eye on Brandon Waddell. Monitor him. Uh, and hopefully we'll be talking about some uh, draft picks that we take and not who we lose in that draft. All right, I want to I take a uh, in time for a second here. I want to look at something, right? And the Pittsburgh Pirates, they made a controversial trade controversial trades a few years ago that they were highly criticized for making. Let's take a look back at it. Back at the trade deadline during the 2016 season, the Pittsburgh Pirates made a deal that changed the perspective of the team. The Pirates dealt Francisco Liriano to the Toronto Blue Jays as a way to get rid of what was still owed on his contract. At the time, Liriano still had about $17.5 million left on his contract over the remainder of the 2016 season and the entire 2017 season. So at the time of the deal, no one was surprised as the Pittsburgh Pirates are always looking to get out of expensive contracts. Liriano was having one of the worst seasons in the National League that year with an ERA of 5.43 in 21 starts. So not only was he expensive, but he was also not performing anywhere close to the level the team needed him to be. However, the team had to put more into the trade to make it happen. And this is what made people criticize the Pittsburgh Pirates. Going along with Liriano were two prospects in Reese McGuire and Harold Ramirez. Both prospects were inside the Pittsburgh Pirates' top 15 on their top 30 prospect lists. McGuire, of course, was a first-round pick of the Bucks in 2013. Meanwhile, Harold Ramirez signed with the organization out of Columbia in 2011. He quickly climbed the prospect ladder and established himself as a potential future outfielder. So with McGuire being a former first-round pick and a former top 100 prospect, and Harold Ramirez hitting close to 300 and being one of the team's top outfield prospects, it upset many fans to see them dealt away. Coming back in the trade was a former top pitching prospect, and Drew Hutchison, who was a bust. The fact that the team traded away prospects with a bad contract just showed how cheap the Pittsburgh Pirates can be. What fans failed to realize at the time was that the team was giving up on prospects they were not high on. Reese McGuire never developed the way they had hoped. His defense was always solid, but his offense never seemed to click. 
while he had a brief debut at the MLB level last year, McGuire only hit 233 with a 313 on base percentage through 96 games at AAA last year. When the trade happened, prospect experts put a defensive-minded backup catcher as McGuire's ceiling. Meanwhile, Ramirez was in double-A at the time of his trade and still has not reached the major league level. The Blue Jays recently released Ramirez off of their 40-man roster, and he signed with the Miami Marlins. On a rebuilding Toronto team, he was released, showing that they were not overly high on him either. So looking back at the salary dump trade, it was really a wash for all sides. Hutchison never worked out in black and gold, while the prospects have not worked out for Toronto, and they trade Liriano the very next year. Why is this relevant now? Because of the trade that is being discussed between the Mariners and the Mets. For people who criticized the Pittsburgh Pirates for dumping salary by using prospects, this trade is even worse. Imagine if the team traded away a player who had a historical season the year before. The Mariners are trying to trade away Robinson Cano. While Cano is still a somewhat productive player, he is quickly aging and is not close to what he was years ago. Cano is still owed $24 million a year for the next five years. To get the Mets to trade from such a large contract, the Mariners are sending 2018 All-Star closer Edwin Diaz. Diaz posted a ridiculous season last year, gaining 57 saves, a sub-2 ERA, and compiling a rate of 15 strikeouts per nine innings pitch. On top of his impressive season last year, he pitched to a sub-3 ERA in 2017. Furthermore, he has four more years of team control, making his market value even higher. Diaz should easily be able to grab four top 10 prospects from a team, including multiple top 100 prospects. Instead, he's part of the biggest salary dump deals in recent history. Instead of the Mayor's maximizing his value, the team is using him to entice the Mets to take a bad contract. Going back is a lot of money in Jay Bruce and Anthony Swarzak, who are owed a combined $21 million next year, with Bruce being owed another $13 million in 2020. So in total, the Mariners are dumping Cano's remaining $86 million and taking on $34 million, although some cash may be exchanging hands also. The Mets are also sending prospects back in the trade, obviously, but the only real notable one is Jared Kalenich, a first-round pick last season and currently ranked as a top 100 prospect. The only other prospect of note in the deal is pitcher Justin Dunn, who falls into the Mets' top 10 prospect list. So really, the whole trade is just a big salary dump for the Mariners, who are getting what's believed to be three prospects, with only one being a top prospect and two bad contracts. To get rid of one big contract and the best closer in baseball. You see, Pirates fans, this is why you got to trust Neil Huntington. Because Neil Huntington doesn't put us in situations where we have to be like the Mariners and make terrible trades, such as the one that is about to transpire between the Seattle Mariners and the New York Mets. Right? Neil Huntington got us out of the Francisco Liriano deal. <clears throat> we did not have to pay the remainder of his contract, and the Toronto Blue Jays did. In return, we received a interesting, you know, former top pitching prospect. Hey, it didn't work out, but we got rid of Liriano. Regarding Reese McGuire and Harold Ramirez, Harold Ramirez is now a Marlin, so, you know, you can't say that was a plus for the Blue Jays. And Reese McGuire hit 233 in AAA last year. So, hey, I, it, you know, you can slightly put the Blue Jays 
with a little bit of a win if you count Reese McGuire's 233 average. But you have to put the Pirates right there because, you know, um, we, we got out of the contract and we were not, we're not in a situation now where we have really any bad contracts. <clears throat> and that's the way a small market team like the Pittsburgh Pirates has to be. That's the way we must operate. Otherwise, we end up having to be like the Mariners and Dipido and be just idiots. Well, not really idiots, but they have Robinson Cano 240 years, I mean, $240 million 10 years. The Pittsburgh Pirates can't afford to take that on, and we see the back end of those deals, they hurt. That was now losing Edwin Diaz for massive contracts in Jay Bruce and Anthony Swarzak while only receiving Jared Kalenich really in return, and Justin Dunn is really washed up at this point. So, you know, when, when, when you criticize Neil Huntington, make sure it is criticized reasonably. When you criticize some of those trades, make sure they're criticized reasonably. Because this Mariano trade is probably one of the heavily criticized trades. And, you know, with the whole Mets thing transpiring, I thought, hey, why not talk about it on the show today? Why not take a look back at the trade? Because you can't really evaluate a trade at the time of it being done. You can, you know, make evaluations with prospects. Um, and, you know, what talent you're getting back. But overall, looking back at it now, I'd, I'd say it's probably a wash for both teams, maybe even a win for the Pirates because they got out of the contract. <clears throat> um, if you're looking at it from a Blue Jays perspective, you can say, hey, we have Reese McGuire, but really what's that good for, right? Um, and, and that's the thing. That's why you have to be wary about prospects list. You know, Reese McGuire and uh, – Ramirez were uh, both top 30 Pirates prospects. Now, the, there's currently a top 30 prospects list out there for the Pittsburgh Pirates right now. And, you know, let's say uh, Neil Huntington goes out and he makes a, a splashy trade or something. And he gets us a player and, whoops, we traded a, a prospect number 17 and prospect number 22 to get him. Um, internally, you, you didn't have no idea what the Pirates think about those players. You don't know if Neil Huntington and his scouts are high on him or not. And clearly, the Pirates were not high. They had lost hopes in Reese McGuire, and they were starting to lose hopes in Ramirez. So they were like, hey, you know, we could entice the Blue Jays, give it of our salary, dump these two prospects on them, and, you know, Drew Hutchison is the token back. Maybe he'll work out, maybe he won't. And that's the type of trade that small market teams like the Pittsburgh Pirates have to make, and that Neil Huntington has proven that he will consistently make, getting us out of bad contracts. Now, it's not as ridiculous as this Gerardipida situation, and that's because Neil Huntington is smart enough to not put himself in a situation where uh, Gerardipida is right now after, you know, going trade-happy this whole time there and, you know, ridding himself of the farm system where he has to make trades like this. Overall, though, um, if, we, if we just want to take a breakdown of the Francisco Lurion trade, I would describe it as a wash to a mini Pirates victory. Um, yeah, and that, that's just us taking a look back at the trade and how everything went down back at the trade line in 2016. <clears throat> All right, let's talk some rumors. The Major League Baseball winter meetings are a few weeks away, and rumors will be swirling. There may be a name for the Pittsburgh Pirates to pay attention to. With the winter meetings quickly approaching, the hot stove is already starting to heat up. The Pittsburgh Pirates, along with the other 29 baseball teams, will find themselves most active over the next three weeks. 
teams are going to sign free agents, make trades, and of course, rumors will be a plenty. However, even before the winter meetings, things happen. The Pittsburgh Pirates have already made two significant moves this offseason, acquiring Eric Gonzalez from the Cleveland Indians and signing former Indian Laundry Chisenhall. Both these moves came out of nowhere. They were not rumored beforehand. They just happened. In fact, the Pittsburgh Pirates have not even had any real rumors this offseason. This is not really surprising. The team usually likes to keep everything under wraps. It is rare for information to be leaked on what the Pittsburgh Pirates are looking into. Nonetheless, there is a rumor regarding the Pittsburgh Pirates and is likely one to keep close attention to during the upcoming weeks and winter meetings. Jeff Passon of Yahoo Sports is reporting that one of the Bucks catchers is available. Passon tweeted, an already crowded catching market is growing even more saturated as the Toronto Blue Jays have discussed trading Russell Martin and the Pittsburgh Pirates are open to dealing Francisco Cervelli, league sources told Yahoo Sports. Both are drawing interest from a number of teams. This is interesting to see. Not only Francisco Cervelli is available, but also another former Pirates catcher in Russell Martin. Passon notes that while the catcher market is deep, plenty of teams are still interested in Cervelli. This is most likely because of multiple reasons. The first reason would be because of his relatively friendly salary at $11.5 million. Reason number two is because he has just one more year remaining on his contract, meaning there is not a long-term commitment. Of course, the last reason is that he is a solid catcher who can be effective both behind the dish and at the plate. This would make sense for the Pittsburgh Pirates also. $11.5 million would leave the Pittsburgh Pirates team in salary, that would, salary would be middle of the road for a lot of other teams. Meanwhile, the Bucs saw backup catcher Elias Diaz break out last season and be one of the team's best hitters when he played. Diaz is younger and cheaper and at this point has a higher upside. If the Bucs can save $11.5 million and reinvest it elsewhere on the roster, then they should. While Cervelli would be nice to have with Diaz, it also makes sense that the team would not want to pay Cervelli their highest salary with a potential better and cheaper option. Teams that need catcher help, you know, we have the Los Angeles Dodgers, Oakland Athletics, New York Mets, Colorado Rockies, and Houston Astros, among others. <clears throat> and I think it just makes too much sense to not trade Francisco Cervelli at this point. We have other needs on the roster. Catcher is not one of them. You know, we have discussed on the show about potentially rostering three catchers on opening day. You know, allowing Clint Hurdle to aggressively use Cervelli or Diaz, whichever one is not starting, off the bench while having Stallings on the team to not lose him and be the backup catcher. And Cervelli can also play a little bit of first base. <clears throat> you know, that was what we talked about that a lot. You know, is that an option? And, you know, um, I was wondering why there weren't any rumors about him being traded because – it now it all starts to make sense a little bit, right? We make the trade, we get Eric Gonzalez, we sign Lonnie Chisnall. You know the offseason is starting to shape up a little bit. Now this tournament comes in, and I believe we should pounce on an opportunity to get a decent prospect prospects for Francisco Cervelli right now. His value is at an all-time high for the Pittsburgh Pirates. For a small market team like us. $11.5 million is a lot of money for a catcher who has a lot of concussion issues, keep in mind, and who has a cheaper, better option in Elias Diaz. And a 
guy like Jacob Stallings who could come in <clears throat> and play catcher behind him. Now the question becomes then, what if Diaz goes down? What if we trade Cervelli and Diaz goes down and Stallings is thrust into an everyday job? Would all hell break loose? No, because I believe Stallings can handle an everyday job if necessary. And at that point, currently on the roster, you probably have to look maybe to an Arden Pabst would be the backup catcher in that scenario. Um, I think maybe Christian Kelly would be an option. Uh John, I believe, has transferred positions. John Borman, maybe. You know, and that's where things get dicey because catching depth can, uh, can lose real fast. But overall, you know, I believe Diaz and Songs are young. They're not likely to get hurt. And I believe they can be the catching, catching tandem. And the, the real sell to this is getting rid of that $11.5 million. Because that's a lot of money for us where we can reinvest into the roster, particularly, I think, shortstop. <clears throat> you know, what if we take that $11.5 million, trade Cervelli, and sign Jose Iglesias? Resign Jordy Mercer? <clears throat> Options like that which make more sense for the roster as a whole. What if we split up that money, you know, sign Adam Jones with that money? I know we just signed Lonnie Chisnall, but Adam Jones is always an option still. You know, there are plenty of things that you can do with that money. And if the Pirates are just going to trade him and sit on it, then don't do it. But if you're going to plan in the hopes to reinvest $11.5 million back into the roster and get a prospect with that, Given of an injury-prone, 33-year-old, beat-up catcher, you got to do it. Listen, I love Francisco Cervelli. He's been in the heart and the soul of this team for a while now. Definitely a veteran presence. But there are other, you know, the team is shifting towards a youth movement. And the youth movement is exciting. Francisco Cervelli... He could definitely factor into a 2019 World Series run. 2020 is not going to be in black and gold regardless, right? So why not get something for him now, reinvest the money, back into the roster, and take it from there? You know, other teams would love to have Francisco Cervelli. He's a great catcher, relatively cheap, one year left. Trade him now. Because if we wait into the deadline, he could get injured. His value is not going to be as high. He's only going to be a rental at that point. He won't have a full season. And there's just a lot of risk that he might not even perform as well as he did last year. Last year, he had a breakout campaign. You have to capitalize on that breakout campaign if you're Neil Hunnigan. Because how often a good hitting catcher is really hard to find in the major leagues. That's why they're such a hot, they're such a hot commodity. People give up so much for them. You know, I'd love to get a top 10 prospect from a team not overall, but maybe a top 100, top 10 from a team for Francisco Cirelli. That would be the dream, and if Neil Huntington got that offer, take it every day of the week. Yes, right now, go. And when I saw the news, I was a little bit, uh, Cirelli, really? Oh, but that's like the same thing that I thought about, you know, Kutch and Cole. But hey, those trades worked out. Trust Neil Huntington. He likes to keep things under wraps, and when stuff like this comes out, you know something's probably going to happen. You know, we don't, we don't leak to the media very often, and when stuff gets leaked, 
there's a pretty likely chance that something big is going to happen. If I had to make a prediction right now, I don't think Cervelli's here by the winter meetings. I don't think he's a pilot by the winter meetings. It's, it's just my opinion. It's just my thoughts. And I really don't want him to be a pirate by the winter meetings because of that trade value, how high it is right now, and it needs to be capitalized. Maybe start a little bidding war for Cervelli. He's a great guy. It's what I said about Josh Harrison, too. Josh Harrison is a heck of a lot different than Francisco Cervelli, but it's time to move on. It's time to say, Diaz, your chance to go. Stallings, back him up. Let's go, right? That's where we're at right now, and that's how the Pittsburgh Pirates are going to move forward into the future to being a World Series title contender and winner, for that matter, in 2019. I've had a great time with you guys on the show this afternoon. Thank you all for tuning in. My name is Benson Fetcher. Be sure to give our host a follow on Instagram. Myself at Bucks Dugout and Jared at Pirates.Strong. We 31 days until the launch of the Baseball Podcast Network. You see how many podcasts I have left with you guys on just Bucko Boots. One, two, three, four. And then BPN is here. Follow them on Instagram at Baseball Podcast Net. Twitter at Baseball Podcast One. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1 SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network. And YouTube at Baseball Podcast Network. I've had a great time with you guys. Hopefully Cervelli gets traded uh, by the end of the week. Hail to Pitt, and let's go Bucks.